electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Fast Money starts right now. Live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee. Your traders on the desk are Steve Grasso, Brian Kelly, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, Apple closing at a fresh record high. And one trader says the run isn't over yet. He'll tell us how soon he sees it hitting a trillion dollars in market cap. Plus, a game changer for the crypto universe. The CEO of a major Bitcoin exchange is now accepting cash for crypto. He will join us to explain what it could mean for the space. But first, we start off with... The Teflon stock market, after weeks of trade turmoil and fears of a looming euro crisis, stocks are still standing strong. The Dow surging nearly 200 points today with help from a blowout jobs report as the U.S. economy seems to be on fire. So do you keep betting on America? And specifically, do you keep betting on the things that have been working so far this year? Guy. Bet on the things that are still been working. We don't have Rome is burning tonight. No, 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 no. no It's 80s. not on fire anymore, apparently. Nothing's on, Everything's Nothing's on fine. fire. Everything's yeah, beautiful, like that lousy song. The answer is yes, and I don't think we've sort of wavered on that. Energy refiners have worked now for the last 9 to 12 months. They continue to work to continue to make new highs. Levered energy plays, Anadarko Petroleum. And I'll give you a tech play that we talked about, and we talked about it when Susquehanna downgraded AMD. I think they put an $8 price target on it because of crypto. And we said, you know what, maybe they, I think they got this one mixed up. Well, they came back, they upgraded the stock. Then a week and a half ago, Cowan upgraded it, and we've talked about it ever since. So that stock's going from basically 10 and a half to 14 and change where it is now. And I still think there's further upside. Dan? Well, listen, you know, the S&P has acted really well in, in, in the face of a lot of really bad news all over the globe. And then you think about what's gone on over the last couple of months. We had that dollar rally. We had that move in rates. And we saw money come out of EM. We saw some really weak data in Europe. And then we saw some geopolitical stuff. And the S&P has been really nicely consolidating over uh, the last few weeks. I'll just make one really important point, though. You know, given all the great news that we have here in the U.S., the S&P 500 is only up. 2% on the year. And half that gain came today. So, you know, whatever you think about global growth, whatever you think about the U.S. on a relative basis, the U.S. stock market is discounting a whole heck of a lot other than the Nasdaq, which is up about 10%. And there we see what, I, to my eye, some very narrow breath amongst the things that have been working for years now. So to me, you know, if I'm just going to just eyeball it, I'm saying that the S&P is telling us that things might not be as great as the data is showing us here, and the other stuff around the world might be reason to take pause. I think that's a fair point to make. I mean, the fact of the matter is we have been in a tight trading range since about February, and we can say the stock market is very resilient, which it has been in the face of all of what has gone on this week is one example, and we're flat. But still, we really haven't gone anywhere. The tight trading range, I agree with everything that's already been said, the tight trading range is 27.42 down to a dime right here on the upside. That is your upside resistance. As far as energy, I don't like the EMP plays. I like Valero. You've mentioned that quite a number of times because what they refine is actually going up. The cost of what their input is is going down. For me, it's crude. It was from May 7th. He did what? He got out of the Iranian deal. It spiked, and now it's hit a wall. It's a production issue. Oil is coming in. Exxon's coming in. Large integrated names are coming in. Refiner, maybe okay. 
Speaks. Well, I, if I look at the markets, remember we started the year and it was this global synchronized growth. That's done. We know that's over. We know that Europe has been slowing down. They've got problems. So now if you're a global investor, look around the world. What's the best economy in the world? It's the U.S. Jobs report told us that today. Now, could we turn down? Could a lot of things happen? Absolutely. But the U.S. economy is probably the brightest out there. Therefore, I think until proven otherwise, you've got to stay with U.S. stocks. Right. So, you know, when we talk tech, we talk about FANG and we know what that has done. But, you know, it's interesting. I've been to two conferences over the last two weeks, a private Internet conference from Credit Suisse last week and then this week Codes Conference. And when you look at these private tech companies, and I heard a ton of them, I heard Lyft, I heard Uber, I heard um, uh, SoFi, I mean, the list goes on and on. The bullishness about their businesses and about the opportunities that they have, the addressable markets, their ability to disrupt a lot of these companies that are in the S&P 500. Is that a top? It, or is no, that? I don't think so, because I think a lot of these people are thinking very long term. Another good example, Spotify. Daniel Eck, I heard him yesterday. For all intents and purposes, they're a private company, okay? They're not thinking quarter to quarter. They're thinking about what's next. How do I kind of redefine you know, the digital music space? So to me, there's a lot of optimism in the private tech world that is not really relative. I, I don't think we see in the S&P 500 other than these top 10 names that make up three, four yeah, trillion dollars. You know what is odd, though, this week with all the negativity that we saw on the tape, what did they run for for a safety trade, which is unbelievable? Large, cap, uh, large cap tech, yeah, too. Right. So small caps right. that didn't have that exposure to Europe, had the tailwind of tax policy, but also large cap tech. That is counterintuitive, at least to me. I'll say, just to put a bow on this, because that's what we do, because I think we have Carter Braxton Worth coming up on, yeah, the, on the chart, and I love that. i got to tell you, Deutsche Bank still is a huge concern. The problems at Deutsche Bank have not well, gotten any better. Now, again, the question is systemic risk or Deutsche Bank specific. I still think there's a chance that there's huge systemic risk. Now, the market is saying, no, there's not. But i got to tell you something. I was around for this, and I think we all were. There weren't a lot of people saying there was what, systemic 29? risk. 1929. Yeah. Nobody was saying that about Lehman Brothers and That's, Bear Stearns but either. So. The, the only pushback to that is the, I think the real problem that we all faced here with the financial collapse was it was 30 to 1 leverage. I don't think they'll ever get that bad. I know they won't ever get that bad. It'll be something that we're not waiting for. And I think Deutsche Bank is so telegraphed. It might hurt the markets, but it's not a systemic well, risk. Well, let's, let's put aside systemic risk because we don't know if that's going to happen that. or not. fact of the matter is, financials here in the United States, they didn't do well this week on a week where the S&P 500, the, a week that the Nasdaq, both bounced, right? right? Basically, as if nothing happened this week, financials still in the hole. Right, and bonds didn't do anything either, right? So financials probably shouldn't necessarily do anything. Plus, you add in, is there any type of exposure to the European banks, whether, whether you know, depending on how bad that is. But there are other places that you see the growth area. I'm not convinced that, I mean, the financials are okay. I think there's some that are doing all right. There's some, fine, some good pockets in the financials. But, you know, if I'm looking, I'd rather be in tech. To me, that's where the growth well, story still I, is. I think there's a couple things going on with banks. Obviously, the spread between the two and ten, and that net interest margins, that's not a great scenario right now. That was a big bull case, I think, in 2017 for owning the banks. Sure. And then when you think about, you know, the systemic issues with a Deutsche Bank, who knows? You know, I just want to say one thing. I think in March of 2008, I think a lot of people were saying the same things we were saying about Bear Stearns. Ah, that one's contained. You know, it's just a, it's one of the smaller ones, and everyone, it's been so very well telegraphed. Risk well, camp. what I'm saying is, who knows? You know, I, we just don't know. And, and so um, I think it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, well, the, difference, to, the difference is this time the market has is betting that the ECB and right. banks are, and right. governments are going to bail it out. So even if it is systemic, what's the solution? You print a bunch of euros. Well, one last thing on financials, just on a trading basis. We talked about the other night, KRE. Mm -hmm. 
The regional banking index up over 7% against an XLF. It's basically down on the year. If you want to buy the banks, you stay in the KRE. All right. It is a breakout, or is it a breakout, or a breakdown on the charts? Chartmaster Carter worth the corners and macros over at the Plasma to break that problem down. Hi, Carter. It's a perfect standoff, um, but it was a very much a, a risk-off week. Financials and industrials down and down the worst on the week. Investing in growth is defensive, and growth, of course, is what won. Um, here's the market. We know we had this epic run in December and January associated with record inflows, part of retail investors into ETFs, and then we have this equally epic plunge. So if we were to draw some lines on this, let's just um, get rid of that and then put the debate in, which is to say a series of lower highs, higher lows as you work into the apex. Now, we've been below twice. We've been above. We checked back to the penny. We are stuck here. In fact, when we started today, the market was at the exact midpoint between the high of Friday and Friday the uh, February 9th. So pull this back and watch this wedge as it forms on the longer term chart. And now let's add in the trend line. The tension, the standoff continues, but again, transports down this week, industrials down this week, financials down this week, and global financials really tanking while people are hiding, and properly so, in classically defensive areas of the market, most notably growth. Growth is defensive. So if we move this this way and then put in the rest of the year, the real question, I think, is this. Did we discount by that epic move in December and January all of the tax cuts, all of the fact that the earnings are coming in 25 percent and revenues at, at uh, 11 percent, best in years, unemployment below 4 percent, et cetera, et cetera. I believe that we did. I think the goalpost thesis is as good as any, that the highs of January will stand as the highs for the year, and that the best bet we've got is either a whole lot of nothing for the rest of the year or, of course, risk that we ultimately undercut to the downside. I can't wait for Carter to come over and explain no, that. No, he's not going further. to come over. Wow. He's not. But we do, I do have a question for you, Carter. Does technology, does the chart look as good as the action seems to have been on these on down days and up days? Well, again, so the areas that are good, and you guys covered almost all of them, it's small cap making new highs, uh, small cap financials, um, it's tech in particular, and it's large cap tech. So the issue is do you stick with that? I think some, to some case you do. But, again, the small cap uh, premise doesn't help the market at all. Again, the entire Russell 2000 is the same value as the top three stocks in the S&P. It all gets down to whether these super cap, mega cap marquee names can continue to hold up. All right, Carter, we'll see you a little bit on options action. So he is not coming over to the desk. That's just devastating. I know. We'll see him later, though. Um, large cap tech, which ones within large cap tech? Netflix, right? You have to stay there. Uh, uh, Amazon, Apple. So all these names that you think about, Facebook, I'm a little undecided, a little on the fence, because I think these privacy issues are still going to resonate a little more. You might have had all the damage completely done, but I think that we're going to feather through some tape bombs, some headlines. So I would, I would be careful with the Facebook name, but the other ones I think you're quasi-safe in. What's a favorite trade in a range-bound market for you? Right now is Taiwan Semi, and it's a tech name too, right? So we have this big upgrade cycle for the 7 nanometer wafers that are probably coming out in Q3, Oof, Q4. Can't get enough of those wafers. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's exactly the point, Grasso. You can't get enough of them. Not only do Bitcoin miners want them, but Apple wants them. A lot of other people want them. This is a huge 
huge tech upgrade cycle, and Taiwan Semi's right in the center of it. Yeah, I would just say Steve has been talking about Alibaba. I mean, it's breaking out here. That was the other theme that was very clear in these conferences, that Chinese Internet is mm -hmm. just a force, and it's not going away. I think Morgan Stanley's going to rue that, uh, a, that uh, Micron downgrade, although they left their price target at 65 bucks. I think that's exactly where it's going. Coming up, Apple nearing what appears to be an inevitable trillion-dollar market cap, but when will it get there? One trader's betting it is sooner than you think. He will explain. Plus, a game-changer for the crypto universe. The CEO of a major Bitcoin exchange is now accepting cash for altcoins. And BK says this could be huge. we got the CEO of that exchange, Bittrex, will join us shortly. And later, it's a Jack attack. Jack Dorsey's empire is growing by the minute as both Twitter and Square are on a tear. But if you miss a rally, don't worry. We'll tell you how to chase the stocks without spending a dime. We are live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got a Bitcoin alert. Bittrex, a cryptocurrency exchange, is working to allow users to buy more than 200 different crypto coins in U.S. dollars. Here's why this is a big deal. Before Bittrex struck this agreement, the only coins you could directly buy with U.S. dollars were the ones traded on Coinbase. So that's less than 1% of the 1,500 or so coins out there in the universe. To buy the other 99%, you have to convert your U.S. dollars to Bitcoin first. And that means the altcoins have been closely correlated to Bitcoin and that means that they may begin to move independently of Bitcoin now. You can see that in this chart from Fundstrat. Their aggregate crypto index, which tracks a total of 630 cryptocurrencies, has moved almost exactly in tandem with Bitcoin. And Beeks thinks this is a huge game changer. Why? I think, well, it's, it's huge because you can now differentiate between cryptos. And that correlation might break, or at least has that potential. So you think about the mechanics of it. You, if you want to buy altcoins, you go to Coinbase, you buy your Bitcoin, it goes up a little bit, you get excited, you say, hey, what's this Bittrex thing? Let me go buy something there. Well, the only way to get money into that up till now has been to send Bitcoin over there. Therefore, there's this tight correlation between. Now you're starting to price things in U.S. dollar. You can send U.S. dollar directly to Bittrex. That allows you to look at the whole universe, and you don't have to necessarily be tied and priced to Bitcoin, which changes the game in my view. Well, for more on this, we're bringing in the founder and CEO of Bittrex himself, Bill Shihara. He's joining us from Seattle. Bill, welcome to Fast Money. Great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. So, you know, the reason why a lot of coins haven't been listed on Coinbase is because there's this thorny issue of whether it's a security or a commodity. And I'm wondering, how have you gotten past that in listing a lot of these different coins out there? Well, for us, you know, it's primarily about innovation. That's what we're excited about. And so we have a very rigorous... Uh, review process to go and find the most innovative blockchain projects out there in the world. And part of that process is not just making sure that the technology and the business models are innovative. We also screen and look at the founders and principals behind the project. And then we also put them through a, compli a compliance review. And we work with their U.S.-based lawyers as well as independent lawyers who double-check to ensure that it's something that we feel comfortable trading in the United States. So you're actually doing the due diligence on every single altcoin that you're listing, that you're making available to buy in fiat? That's right. Okay. Um, and, and in terms of who can do this right now, who can do it, and, and what's the ultimate goal, Bill? So right now we started with a small select number of uh, launch partners. And the idea right now is in this phase we're stress-testing our system. We're working with the banks very closely to ensure that they can process the fiat deposits and withdrawals. 
that also the engine itself that we use to trade is going to be able to properly handle the load. But the idea is to then expand out to as many markets as possible uh, on Bittrex, as well as expand it so that every customer on Bittrex will be able to have access to U.S. dollar trading. Hey, Bill, it's BK. So I'm curious, you know, your industry, this industry hey, itself is a global asset class, and you have global competitors that don't have the same rules and regulations that you have to comply to. How do you as Bittrex compete against places like Binance or some of the uh, Asian exchanges? Well, you know, for us, we have this commitment to compliance, and we think that solving the regulatory um, puzzle in the United States really unlocks a lot of uh, capital that really can't trade uh, on a foreign exchange that doesn't have proper AML KYC controls or proper compliance. So we think we can actually add tremendous amounts of value as we're working with uh, the regulatory agencies in the United States. Do you have to conform to the rules of a securities exchange then, Bill? Which, I mean, I would imagine a lot of exchanges would want to avoid because it's a lot more paperwork. Well, right. So, you know, today we trade things that are definitely not securities. You know, that's one of the things that we screen for. We want to ensure that these are utility tokens that we think are uh, commodities. Is, uh, is Ripple? What, where do you stand on XRP then? Well... I mean, we don't like to speak about any individual token because uh, as an exchange, we like to remain market neutral. But Ripple is one of the tokens that trades on our exchange, and it has gone through review um, and ongoing review. Hey, Bill, another question from, from BK here. I, I'm curious, when I look at what you're doing there, it reminds me very much of the early E-trades in Schwab's. Do you think of yourself more of a kind of a retail Hey, I don't want to use the word brokerage, but let's call it a retail portal to this ecosystem that ultimately you'll look more like a brokerage firm rather than an exchange? Well, I mean, Bittrex has a lot of different services that we provide. So we're looking at expanding both the retail footprint of our exchange as well as the institutional trading side of it. I think you need to, um, you know, for those of us who are thinking about the ecosystem long term, we really need to go out there and embrace the widest number of participants possible. All right, Bill, we're going to leave it there. It's great to speak with you and hope you come back to FAST and update us on how this is going. Bill Shihara, a Bittrex. Um, let, let's try this. Oftentimes you talk about the cryptocurrencies themselves in terms of up or down or when to buy or whatnot, but this is really the picks and shovels sort of approach to covering this space. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. I think that last question is important for our viewers in a way, too, because, you know, last year I opened a Coinbase account along with... 15 million other people. So the question about retail was really interesting. That BK would say to me, hey, look at this one. This is kind of interesting. And then I had to go to Bittrex. And they actually didn't have a mobile app. And it was a little clunky. And I had to move uh, you know, Bitcoin over there to buy another token. So the idea that he focused on um, you know, a platform that was kind of like institutional looking, and now they're thinking about retail, I think that's where you're going to get the most innovation. When you talk about are you the Schwab or the E-Trade of the 90s, giving people access to this right. stuff, yeah. you need competition. You need to push each other. And we're going to have the best tools to kind of manage, uh, I think, risk in this. It was interesting to hear him talk about due diligence and doing due diligence on every token and making yeah. sure tokens are utility tokens. That has been a big hang-up for the other exchanges. It, ha it has been, and it's unclear at this point in time. Yeah. And, and I can tell you, you know, I've worked with Bittrex on some, some of these coins, and they do a pretty good job of really vetting some of these out. There's some other exchanges out there that you can get on. If you just give them enough money, you'll get on the exchange. In my, in my experience, that is not the case at all with Bittrex, and they've done a really good due diligence job.
right, coming up, the cloud stocks have been on a tear this year. There is one name the traders are calling king of the cloud. They'll tell you the name next. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, First in Business Worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. Wait for That's what biotech stocks are doing. And there's a key event that could send them even higher. We'll tell you how to cash in. Plus, Jack's back. Here's Johnny. No, not that Jack. Jack Dorsey. And shares of his Twitter and Square are surging. And we'll tell you which is the better bet now when Fast Money returns. If you love cloud stocks, it doesn't get any better. Tonight on Mad Money, Jim Cramer will, will reveal who he thinks will be the princes of the cloud. These are the stocks that are next in line of royalty that Cramer thinks will dominate. So you can tune in top of the hour for those names. And all the stocks up in the cloud have been soaring this year, by the way. Names like Adobe and Amazon up more than 40%. Salesforce Workday up more than 20%. And, of course, Microsoft, that's up 18%. So if you're looking for growth, you just look up. Dan. Well, I know that Jim, or I suspect he's going to be talking about his friend Mark Benioff at mm. Salesforce.com. Yep. And I think this is really important when you think about software as a service and you think about this company in general. I mean, Mark Benioff invented this. Okay, so all those other names that you're talking about, Workday and these guys, they came after. And then the guys like Oracle, who were doubters, they changed their business models to go after what Benioff was doing. So to me, this one looks like it's going to break out. It had a muted reaction to earnings. They were good. Um, but, you know, on a breakout, this thing's got room to go. Yeah, I agree. I mean, usually first movers get swamped. They haven't been. And you look... To me, the, this was a great quarter. I think they reported on the 29th of May. But the one thing that stuck out to me, their margins continue to improve. Operating margins were north of 17%. They were, Street was looking for 15%. So if you can continue to increase margins, I mean, this thing should break out despite the valuation everybody knocks them on. So I, I would say that the, out of all these cloud names, Workday looks like it's running out of gas to me to the upside. The rest of them seem intact. But how about one that I am surprised myself saying? IBM, down 7% year what? to date. <laughs> and it's and it's right now it's at support from 2017. I think right. IBM is a buy based on their cloud business. All right. Time for the final trade. Oh. I know it's a Friday. Let's go around the horn, Grasso. I locked in profits on match. Took me a month, made 20%. I think it's fine to exit the trade now. Brian Kelly. You know, earlier in the show, Guy mentioned Micron, and he convinced me. I think this sell-off is a little bit of an opportunity. Took 20 minutes. Dan. Yeah, the Snapchat looks like it's going to fill in that earnings gap between 12 and 14. You know, Carter's people at home don't see, but he's offset right now. I mean, he was upset when he walked away because we didn't invite. We every every day he's we invite Carter. Yeah. He's over there laughing with Mike Coe, getting oh, ready for us. Unless laughing, people anyway. show their. Oh, that's, I'm sorry. Well, I missed him at the desk. It was nice because I was curious as what he had to say. But I, I'll give you one, Xilinx. Yeah, yeah, please. That should not be trading down here. It should be higher. Oh. All right. That does, it here. that does it for us here on Fast. See you back here five on Monday. Don't move. Options action starts right after this. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.